Genomics England is trying to bring the benefits of genomic medicine to everyone. And that involves accelerating genomic research and also working with the NHS to bring genomics into the heart of healthcare. Genomics is a word that can trigger really strong responses, hope, fear, anger, and there's a lot of information out there, but it's not all accessible to non-experts. And there are some myths out there too. So we want to talk more about this word, the G word, genomics. That's what this podcast is about. Welcome to the G word. And I'm Vivian Parry, and I'm Head of Public Engagement at Genomics England. And my guest for today is Emma McCargo. Emma, hello. Uh, and we're going to be talking cancer today. Many years ago, the only way that people thought about genomics in connection with cancer was about inherited cancers. We know about breast cancer, or we know something like Lynch syndrome, which is for bowel cancer. And that's how we thought about genetics and cancer. And then it was realized right through the 80s and 90s that actually what's going on in the genome of cancers is actually different to what's going on in our normal healthy genomes. And that's the basis of cancer, that there are all these changes made in the genome of cancer which allow it to grow and prosper. And actually what we want to do with genomics is try and find out what all those changes are, because we've now realized that everybody's cancer is different. And genomics and cancer has now really taken off as a discipline. It was part of the 100,000 Genomes Project, and we have been using genomics in oncology for some time. So Emma, tell me where you fit into this picture and where we are at now with genomics and cancer. So my role uh, within Genomics England is to be the programme lead. And what that means really is from a day-to-day -day point of view, I'm operationalising the activities for cancer within Genomics England. And for us, um, the it's a really important imperative that we get accurate diagnosis and, and treatment options to our clinicians for our patients. And what we know now, as you've said, is that Cancer um, presents itself in lots of different ways, but from a genomics point of view, there are lots of different rearrangements. So that means that the genome has turned and twisted and copied itself and deleted some bits of itself, and that then transpires into to different types of cancers. And what we can do now is we can look at the genome and we can map these. We can see see what the what it's doing at a genomic level. And that helps us to give new insights into what's happening within cancer, but also it helps us to guide and give advice to the clinicians for them to then decide how they want to treat their patients. Now, what we did in the 100,000 is rather different to what we're doing now. So explain, what do we do in the 100,000? So in the 100,000 project, um, the technique was used was called short read sequencing. And really what that meant is it's a bit like a jigsaw. So lots and lots of pieces were put together to rebuild back that DNA sequence so that you can then read it. We've got a new technique now um, that's recently, it's really quite novel, and it's called long read sequencing. And it's a little bit like 
a toddler's jigsaw. So the pieces are much bigger, it's much easier to put together um, and it's much easier to read because there's less ambiguity. So it's much easier to put it back together. So to put those uh, that sequence back in the right place and not have any um, mismatches or, or areas where you think you might have maybe not put it back together properly. And from that, we can have a look and see some of the larger changes, the larger structural variations within the genome. Um, and that gives us great insights to different complex cancers. And when we find out all these things, what kind of knowledge are we gaining about cancer? So this new new technology is allowing us to, to discover new variations that we haven't been able to pick out before. So larger structural changes to the DNA. So the and way it, that it's folded up, for instance? Uh, or yes. Or, the... And sometimes with the DNA, it, it copies itself or it could delete some bits of itself or it could turn over. So it allows us to see these sorts of anomalies within within the genome that is causing the cancer. And the reason that we're so interested in this is because those give us clues not only as to how to treat cancer, but also perhaps as to the origins of some particular types of cancer. Yes, to agree. Yes. Yeah. And as I said, this idea that every cancer is different. I mean, it's kind of mind boggling to people because we're used to thinking of it's a breast cancer, it's a bowel cancer, it's a sarcoma. But actually, are you saying now that with this kind of technology that we're having to look at each cancer individually? Yeah, there's it. there are still subtypes, um, but what this technology allows us to be able to do is for the patient to give that more accurate diagnosis. And that means then the clinician is able to then make a decision as to what types of treatment that patient might be more suited to. What are we doing, because um, we do a lot of this stuff in the Sanger in Cambridge, how are we making sure that this is really the right approach? So within Cambridge, the team, we're looking at this at the moment as a kind of proof of concept. We're looking to see, is this going to work? Can we get this telling us what we know already exists? So can we ensure that it matches our standard of care at the moment? And does this then tell us anything else? So we're, we're really at the research stage. We're looking into this as an opportunity for patients going forward in the future. Now, cancer patients will already have some experience of genomic testing. So is this going to enable the delivery of many more types of really accurate medications for cancer? It certainly gives us the potential to be able to do that. Um, I guess what we don't know yet is what we don't know. <laughs> we know it gives us an opportunity to see these different mutations, to see these different changes and these deletions and these switches. And then through our research, it's only through that we'll be able to uncover whether that is a, a determinant for, for the cancer itself. Now, one of the things about cancer is it's very wily. It keeps changing its spots. So we uh, sequence the genome at one stage and you know it has a, a, a certain pattern. And then we treat the patient with a particular drug. And then the cancer thinks, uh, I'm anthropomorphised here, but the cancer thinks I'm having none of this and changes its spots yet again. And then another drug might be 
uh, have to be given. So is this something that we're looking at, a cancer throughout its evolution? Again, this is absolutely um, the potential of the, of the uh, technology. We're not looking at it at the moment. It's that's that's quite some time in the future. But the technology does show us that we could have the potential to explore whether um, patients are having some sort of therapeutic resistance, for example, um, or it could potentially give us an indicator about the patient's prognosis. But that's really quite a little bit in the future at the moment. Where we want to explore it and where it will be meaningful for now is about the diagnostic aspects of this technology. So telling the patient you have this cancer. By giving the clinician an idea as to what cancer the patient has, that clinician can then use that data to determine, well, what's the best course of treatment for my patient? What's going to suit my patient knowing that they've got this exact type of cancer? Whereas before it used to be bucketed into one and there was a bit of a, a decision had to be made on the basis of, of that. Whereas we've got more accuracy now to be able to give that clinic, the clinician that data for them to make that decision. So what we're doing really is we're funneling all the time. So we yes. used to think of breast cancer as just breast cancer. Now we know that there are many different types of breast cancer. And what we're doing at Genomics England helps decide which of those buckets uh, are appropriate. And we know how to treat some of those. But then there's another bit further down the road, which is a really fine-tuning exactly which medicine of perhaps a range of medicines for that particular bucket of breast cancer. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. That's the potential of this technology. Now, I know that all of you in the cancer team talk about this thing, multimodal data. Now, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so so it, this is, I guess, our, our term. But if if you imagine when you go to the doctors, uh, you have your, your notes. They, they often handwrite their notes. Um, you might then go and have a, an X-ray or some sort of imaging somewhere else, and that's kept somewhere. Um, then you have your genomic data that's kept somewhere else. So all of your patient, as a patient, all of your data is is kind of atomized it's 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 elsewhere and it's in in these repositories what we're trying to do is bring that together marry it with the genetic data so that from a research point of view we can look at the whole picture of the patient so we can really say okay well this is the genetic data that's associated with this image of the the tumor um, that's taken and it's associated with this health data as well and that allows our researchers to have a much more holistic view of the patient and what the cancer is doing to the patient. So that's really an extraordinary development. You're able to go back to your jigsaw analogy to look at the picture of the box. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. A, and, and actually, I guess that I mean, this is really simplifying it. But what you could do is say, well, here are all these people who have this particular image when we have, um, for instance, a, a scan image. And if we look at their genome, we find that all of them have this particular change in their genome as well. And that means that we can look at the genome and then really decide what the picture should, should be. Because now we know that that change in the genome leads to that change as seen on the scan. Yes, yeah, and it, it's extremely exciting to be able to do this. And actually, um, we are 
probably well we're world leading in this I, there aren't any other organizations doing it at the scale that we're doing it um, we're working alongside with the nhs colleagues to, to gather these images we're uh, collecting data for patients who or participants who are in the 100k so it's extremely exciting from a research point of view because this really does offer that holistic view of of the patient and the desire and the hope is that there could be a way in which more diagnostic tools can be utilized you know from looking at an image it might be that then there might be a diagnosis made for the patient and it's also exciting because we collaborate a lot with industry and they can look at these changes see them in full technical colour, as it were, and that allows them to develop new therapies. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, both technology, the, the, the long read sequencing technology and the activity that we're doing with this multimodal data is really cutting edge. It's moving, it's moving research forward because what we really want to do is get those, you know, have a better experience for the patient ensure that they've got a quicker diagnosis, they've got more accurate data the clinicians have so that they can have that treatment that's appropriate for the patient. There's a, there's a potential, you know, that with the multimodal platform that there could be some genomic indicators for early detection of cancer, which means that the patient will be able to be treated earlier, they have better survival rates. Um, so it's extremely exciting. Is that early detection so you might find bits of the DNA of the of the cancer kind of floating around in the in the bloodstream. It's called circulating DNA. And you can use that because we've identified it before as a particular marker of significance. That could be the potential. That's not something that Genomics England are doing at the moment. Um, but there is there is um, that technology is available. Yeah. So all of this knowledge is enabled by the thing that the the UK has almost uh, uniquely around the world, which is our single NHS number, which can, like a magnet, draw all this data together. And I guess what we should pay particular tributes to is the people who so generously said, please use my data. Because actually without them, we wouldn't be able to do this, this world leading work. Absolutely. It's a gift and we, we treasure it and we ensure that we treat it with the utmost uh, respect and, and gratitude because, yeah, like you said, it may not necessarily benefit that individual patient, um, but there's, there's the, um, the hope that this will be beneficial for patients to come. And finally, I know that when we did the 100,000 Genomes Project, I mean, we told people then that we we might not be able to get back the results to them in time for us to make a difference. What's our turnaround time now? So this is the desire from the new technology um, for the long read sequencing is that that will help us to ensure that the turnaround time is much quicker, uh, quicker to diagnose um, for the patients because we're at this sort of proof of concept stage, we're a little bit off, a little bit down the line from allowing that to happen for the patient just as yet. Um, but that that's the intent, is that that's the reason why we are, we are and testing. And what kind of timescales are we talking about? 
Yeah, days. Um, yeah, days. And it's it's so important. Certain some cancers are so aggressive, vicious that they really need a rapid turnaround in terms of diagnosis. They need to be treated quickly to ensure that they have a better a chance of survival. And this technique will give will give us that added advantage over current current techniques. You've, I know, joined uh, Genomics England to take us through what we call rather grandly uh, Cancer 2.0. (laughs) But just tell me briefly, how are you enjoying this? I mean, what made you come and work at Genomics England? I love it here, actually. It's it's, there's such an energy. It's wonderful. And it's a it's an extremely exciting place to be. The, the technology is cutting edge, the activities we're doing is all for the benefit of the patient and that's that's a massive driver for me. When I was younger I really wanted to be Super Ted, I'm giving away my age now, but it's a cartoon where uh, where Mr Spotty flew in space and, and saved the world. So I suppose um, coming here is, 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 is uh, ticking that box for me from a sort of altruistic uh, point of view, trying to rescue rescue patients. Well, Super Ted, Emma yeah. Magaro, I'm <laughs> conferring the honour of Super Ted on you. Uh, it's been terrific talking to you. Thank you so much. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening to this discussion about the G word and for joining us on this journey to highlight and debate the implications of genomics as it comes to the mainstream of healthcare and society. Remember to subscribe to The G Word on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you have views on these topics or if you have a suggestion for someone we should interview, then do write to us at podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. And remember, if you've enjoyed listening, of course you have, then give us that five star review because it really helps other people find out about the series. I'd appreciate it very much. I've been Vivian Parry. See you on the next episode of The G Word. Bye for now.